Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Dark Travels hostess. Tonight is a very special episode, if you will. Tonight we have two very special guests. So as our listeners know, we sponsored a trivia night, a like Halloween themed trivia night. And as a prize to the winners who won, who beat us, congratulations. This is like half the team yeah. here. <laughs> The they were given the option of wanting to do an episode on our podcast. And so I am joined here today with half of the team, Rebecca and Leanna. So hello, ladies. Hello. hello. The other thing I want to kind of point out super quick is we're here in the local library of Susanville. And this room is not the most, I don't know soundproof <laughs> we can hear the cars we can hear the people coming to the library i always say that word wrong, wrong anyway so but either way so if you hear existential noises i apologize but this was just this was the place we agreed to record for everyone's comfort and safety not that these two ladies would kill me but <laughs> <laughs> they did win no. the murder <laughs> trivia so they do know a little yeah, maybe we knew too much right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so for safety's sake <laughs> we uh we met at the library today all right so small town murder is actually our topic today and Rebecca is here to talk about a couple of small town murders. Hello. <laughs> I it, it's a very personal topic for me because my great grandparents were murdered in Hope, Kansas, and the 100-year anniversary of that murder will be on December 28th of this year. So it's coming up. Oh yeah. And it's that has always fascinated me in terms of true crime, not because of necessarily, I mean, it is entertaining in terms of the historical value, but also wanting to understand motivations, also wanting to understand repercussions of some of those things. Right. I mean, it's not a common thing to murder someone deliberately. You right. understand? I mean, it. I mean, I didn't murder anyone today. Did you guys? I mean, no, no. I went grocery shopping today. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of my thing. <laughs> no matter how many times you might feel like it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not a common scenario for the I think the average person or Right. And and I think too, you know, there there are certain aspects that are crimes of passion. Right. Or accidental or in defense of yourself. Right. Which you have the legal right to do. Absolutely. So you know, some of those crimes of passion, you know, you could describe as like maybe some are somewhat planned, some are not planned, but certainly there's a passion behind them. Our driving force, yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think with both crimes that we're going to discuss, one very briefly, but 
one in, in extensively here in Susanville, I think that there is that aspect of passion and um, that played into what happened. So let's start with, I think you have a, a personal story. Right. And, and I want to be really sensitive to anybody that's the, the victim of a crime and also acknowledge that you know, I want to treat the whole subject with respect because I understand what it's like to have that happen in your family. I also think about the, the perpetrator's you know, children, too, and, and I think that'll come into play as we discuss the local murder that happened. My story starts in Hope, Kansas. My grandparents had a garage, and somebody was stealing from the garage. His name was Albert Fegley, was caught, and grandpa, great-grandpa said, hey, you know, I'm firing you. And he said, well, I'm going to come back and get you. And he did. And one night, he came back, well, actually, <laughs> December 28th, 100 years ago, he came back, and he shot, he entered the home, and he shot my grandfather. He didn't know it hit him. And then my grandmother got up and he shot her. But before she, he shot her, she said, no, Fegley, I have kids. I have children. And he shot her anyway, and she had been pregnant. And then he went and shot a great aunt who was asleep at the house. And the reason why we know what happened was because she played dead after being shot in the head. So she survived. She survived. And he contemplated shooting my grandmother and her brother, but he decided not to because they were children and wouldn't recognize him. Okay. But the aunt who did survive was able to be a very important witness Mm -hmm. and getting him prosecuted. Absolutely. And because of that, he died in prison um, in Kansas. But the problem was is that every time he would go up for parole – my family would have to go and say something about not letting him out because he vowed to get even and kill the rest of the family if he got out. So my mother <laughs> always grew up knowing that, hey, Fegley is behind the door. Okay, so right. I mean, if he had escaped and no one had notified your family, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a real concern, Absolutely. especially if he continuously made threats against your family. I mean, nobody needs to live with that kind of scenario. Right. And Fegley also had two children and a wife. And sometimes I wonder, okay, are those children okay? What how did how did his actions impact them? Right. Well, it, I mean, if at that time 100 years ago, we're talking, you know, early 1900s, he would be the main breadwinner. Right. And so <laughs> I imagine uh, there was a major struggle after that decision. Absolutely. And I think that would be hard if you had remained in the area, which right. I think will come <laughs> into play again with our local crime. Right. So we're heading to Susanville, which is, uh, was Hope, I'm assuming 100 years ago, Hope was a small town if it's not still a small town now. Hope, Kansas is a very small town, spot in the road, surrounded by a lot of farming communities. Okay. It's in like central, central Kansas, I would say. Which, I mean, Susanville is a little bit more than a spot on the road. Mm-hmm. I think it's three miles long? Something like that. Yeah, I think you're real close. But I mean, yeah, it's a small kind of agricultural based we do have the prisons here but it's generally a small 
Well, right. we're going to go in the way back machine to <laughs> way back, right? Step into the time machine. So 1934, there are no prisons here. Not even a thought in anyone's mind. So that would make the sole or the main source of income the wo- the lumber, lumber mill. Lumber mill, okay. Yes. It was a vibrant mill town. And picture, picture the streets of Susanville, especially uptown, filled with cars and, and local shops and people out during the day walking the sidewalks, doing their shopping. A little so bit of a hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. You got an agricultural and a lumber base for the town. Right. So we're going back to that time period. So I mean, the library probably wasn't then here. Oh, no, no, no. This is several library buildings ago, I'm sure. (laughs) If we had one. Did people read back then? (laughs) Right. That's a great question. (laughs) Maybe there was a bookstore or something. I don't know, in Uptown. Yeah, maybe. Margie's, the original Margie's. Margie's. She ain't that old. (laughs) She'll probably curse me the next time. (laughs) So... But there, it did involve a business, though. There was a local grocery store on the corner of Alexander and Riverside. And that pertains to our crime. Okay. Okay. So on June 11th, 1934, five Susanville residents were murdered. It, it was Mr. and Mrs. Joe Fazio and their daughter... Their growing daughter and son, and I think the name was Sadie. I think I looked up, and the the son's name was John. So that's four. Who was our fifth victim? There was a woman by the name of uh, like a family friend. Her name was Lena Amistani. So was she in the home at the time of the assault? Or? No, no. It gets more interesting Mm-mm. than that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. <laughs> so she was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time. So from reading a lot of the history, the murder was committed by a man named Peter Losi. He was of Italian descent, supposedly Sicilian, which, you know, is not trying to say, like, if you're from Sicily, you're going to hurt anybody. Right, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some reports say he was a relative or a distant cousin of the Fazios, because you're, you're talking about some Italian families. Right. And apparently they were neighbors. So the victims are, just, and I won't go into too much detail because that's why I didn't want to, I, I think there's still pictures in existence and historical record, but I didn't want to look at them because that that's hard. You're, you're talking about victims or pictures of the crime scene? Yes, and the, the victims of this crime. Okay, so um, Leanna actually just brought up, and I'll post this picture if I can find it. Mm-hmm. Was, is that his arrest picture right there? Yes, that's his arrest picture. So Peter Alosi. So and he was born in Italy in eighteen ninety two. So this is from San Quentin, his arrest picture. Okay. Yes. Okay. So he um the victims are described as being hacked to death with a kind of a big blade. Like a machete. Like a machete. But not it wasn't exactly a machete. It was a hand fashioned blade from what I researched. So Peter made it himself. Mm-hmm. It himself. Peter built. Peter built. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> we just went there. <laughs> so there was some estrangement apparently between Mr. Fazio and his wife. And the rumor is Peter Losi thought that Mr. Fazio was having an affair with Mr. Losi's wife. 
So Peter's wife. So Peter's wife. And that was, you know, he felt very passionate <laughs> about that as right. one would. Right. <laughs> I don't think the solution to that was exactly right, but you know, he he there was some anger about that. Right. So apparently Mr. Losi went to visit Mr. Fazio and went into the house and killed Mr. Fazio and I think I read dismembered or tried to dismember him in the bathtub. But he was interrupted by John Fazio and I think his his mom. And then I think both of them were killed in the house as well. So Peter went to do the confrontation thinking that this was prime opportunity because Mr. Fazio was alone. And he knew. He knew. He probably knew Mr. Fazio's routine and knew he'd be alone. Well, they're neighbors, right. And so was Mrs. Fazio and the children out of the home because you said that they were estranged? They were estranged, but they also ran a grocery. Remember on Alexander and Riverside Corner. So he's chopping him up in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and Mrs. Fazio and the son walk in mid-chop, Something like that. Right, okay. right, right. And so then he also proceeds to kill them because they're witnesses, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And he's not exactly done because what happens is that Sadie Fazio was worried when her mother and brother didn't come home. So she's going to check on them. And she went to look for them with this is where Lena Amistani comes in. She went to look for them with Lena Amistani. With, with Sadie. Sadie went with Lena Am- Sadie Fazio went with Lena Amistani to look for her okay. her you know brother and brother mother. Now, do you know the age of the children? Yeah, they were in their 20s, I believe. Okay. So they were older, they weren't young. So, you know, they were they were really kind of, you know, looking for their they were probably doing some business cuz they ran a family business and wondered, okay, where where are the where where are my relatives? Hey, maybe they're supposed to work for me or you know, Right, so did this happen in the morning, in the evening, do you know? I'm not sure. I didn't really read when it, I think it was in the afternoon. Now, had there been prior confrontations between the two men? Not that I know of, but that doesn't mean, I just didn't happen to read that part. Okay. Well, then the reason why I'm asking is, I mean, it seemed like they had, for some reason, some heightened sense of concern. If, for example, my husband doesn't answer the text message, I'll be like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry about this until two or three hours where I kind of feel like maybe mm-hmm. this something should have, response should have been had. But, and again, we're not talking about a time where you can literally text message to Japan in the split second right. and get a response. We're talking about a time where communication you either you, something physically had to happen you called somebody physically on a on a well we call a landline phone or physically see them for some type of communication i think this is before telephones i'm just kidding no it, <laughs> it was definitely before tv but no before I, cell phones is before instant communication correct so that's why i'm, I'm questioning why everyone kind of just showed up was there prior issues with the father and the neighbor to where they thought something detrimental might happen? I would guess that probably, you know, probably tensions were building. Okay. Probably. Because I, I'm not, I don't know how you get that passionate about things. Right. I mean, if you're, like, so angry, you, you bring a homemade machete scenario mm-hmm. with the intention to 
disembody somebody, you're very angry about something. And my other question is, did he have actual proof or just suspicion? I don't think that, you know, the... I don't think he had, pr- I, I think in many of those situations, like it would be hard to f- to find actual proof. It was right. probably just the suspicion. I mean, you have a man who was responsible, who was married and had eight children. Mr. Losey had eight children. All right. Well, I mean, he obviously loved his wife. <laughs> I mean, that would, yeah. that would right. be my well, guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is later in the afternoon, or well, maybe like, I don't know. I don't know what the time frame was, but later what happened was when Sadie Fazio and Lena Amistani went to look for the rest of the Fazio family and figure out where were they. They ran into Peter Losey and they said, hey, you know, do you know where my mom and dad are, et cetera, et cetera. And I've read this somewhere where... Mr. Losey said, "Yeah, they're they got hurt. They're up, you know. One of your, they're all at the hospital. When there was a hospital where now the nursing home is, I don't know if you knew that on Riverside. On Riverside, or no? I'm sorry, is it River Street? I, it, it is. It's mm-hmm. right off that. It's uh, it's right off Riverside. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so or is it River Street? One of I the two. River <laughs> Riverside Drive. It's by the river. Riverside you can Drive. see yeah. the river. <laughs> it's." But, but that's where there there was a hospital, and so that was his ruse, because then he got in the car with Lena and Mastani, and with Sadie Fazio, and they were driving by the mill pond, and this is where he kills Lena and Mastani, the driver. Of oh, the car. he kills the driver first because that's smart. You know, she crashes the car and everyone's hurt. Okay. I mean, he might have had her pulled aside. I mean, I'm not sure. But right. he, he dispatches with her. Mm-hmm. And then he chases down Sadie Fazio and kills her too. And so that's right by the mill pond. So every time you're driving by there, you know, you're going to remember that these events happened there. Right, these unfortunate events. You know, and that's kind of really, I mean, how angry was he? to have the anger still so raw that he would kill two additional... I mean, there's one thing if you have people happen upon you as you're committing the crime. Different scenario. Absolutely. Not that I'm excusing anybody's murdering tendencies, but then you have a scenario where he's like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead, trick these people into trusting me and, you know, get them alone. To kill them as well. I th- I, again, I think it's that passion that, like, you're you've done a really bad thing, and you maybe you want to avoid detection. Maybe your vengeance you you haven't exercised what you feel is your vengeance, right? Right. right. And and I think that that just rolls with you, and you're not. I mean, <laughs> you can't. I can't imagine he was thinking about okay, what's this going to do to my wife and my eight children right you know which is i think the definition of a crime of passion or well you're not thinking clearly if you're that right enraged right i I just and yeah i would just say the adrenaline and the emotions and there's no logical reasoning to anything you're doing at that point there's no you know right i I would want to say that maybe there was but you know one would suspect that at that point you've gone so far there's no turning back right right and then you have to imagine if you're if you have killed three people 
and the first person you were in the middle of dismembering, you're talking this rage went on for hours. This wasn't a 20-minute scenario where... This wasn't walking in on your wife sleeping with somebody and and it was like that it right was, no it was like that but in slow motion yeah almost. it manifested i would say right right like festered it yeah. must have really built right so here's <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be naming some names in terms of places there's a guy by the name of sheriff levitt who i can only assume has something to do with Levitt Lake, Lake. right? <laughs> right. The community yes. over there by the prison. Yeah. So what happened was there were two men who found the bodies of Lena Amistani and St. Ifazio because I think they had seen Mr. Lucy and they felt he was acting suspicious or had some suspicious behavior. Well, did he leave the bodies on the side of the road? Yeah, and they found the bodies. They found these these women. And so... What happens is when you have a death in the family, the sheriff goes to notify family members, right? So Sheriff Levitt attempts to contact Mr. Fazio, and they enter the residence and find the bodies of the three Fazio family members. So that's how they all get discovered. Right. Now, did Peter take off of the car? No, actually he didn't. Oh, he decided to <laughs> walk. I think he was, he like, was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> Except he was, you know, the behavior that somebody noticed that he had some like odd or suspicious behavior. So that's why they did catch him. He did confess to the five murders and he blamed Joe Fazio, the Mr. Fazio, for the breakup of his family. So. You know, yeah, he was really passionate about this. Was there any indication that Mrs. Peter was going to leave him? Oh, not that I read, but newspapers back then, I think, really focused on some of the more... Sensational parts? Yeah, as usual. Well, I mean, if she was... I mean, let's be honest. uh, Taking on a woman with eight kids is a lot. <laughs> so I mean I don't know if Joe would have been interested in that, okay? Well, His kids are kinda already grown. Yeah. Well, He's I, already got a wife. Yeah, and with that, you know, reading through the text and different things as you go back, it always is, says words, you know, allegedly. Those kind of things right. having intimate relations, you know, those kind of words are keywords. You know, it doesn't ever say affair, it doesn't ever say or inappropriate, or, you know, those kind of words. They didn't ever outwardly say. This happened as a fact. Yeah. Okay. So Sheriff Lovett, upon taking custody of Mr. Lucy, had to protect him from a lynch mob mentality. Okay. So are we talking about the jail by the old courthouse? I would, yeah, because the, the one, the, the jail that we have now is, you know, probably what, built in the 50s, something like that. So, yeah, (laughs) prior to the current jail. Okay. And with what is being said with Rebecca, the Oakland Tribune actually said something to the effect that he, and I I don't know if this is where you're going to go with it, he brought on 40 extra guards that were sworn in to protect him because of the mob mentality here in Susanville because of this. Well, I can't imagine this town being okay with this heinous crime i mean i'm not advocating for the lynch mob no. uh, but i mean 
I guess it comes natural here because, <laughs> oh no, oh no, I don't know if we should dive into that one. <laughs> so, so basically Sheriff Levitt had his uh, work cut out for him and being a good lawman who took an oath, oath of office that he held to, <laughs> he told people, he told the crowd Get this, you have a mob that's ready to kill this man. Right. And he's brave enough to tell the crowd, quote, go home and keep calm, period, unquote. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I don't know if anybody has the intestinal fortitude these days to do those kinds of things. Right. (laughs) They're probably like, oh, well, you know, I understand drink. No, go home and keep calm. (laughs) Right. Let justice do its thing. Right. And, you know, to some extent, it is a reflection on that sheriff's law enforcement department. I mean, trust that we're doing our job and that we will have justice. Right. And apparently they must have because they, we we didn't have a lynching. We didn't have mob justice. Justice took its course. He was tried. He was sentenced to death. And he was held at San Quentin, and he is buried in the San Quentin Cemetery. Do you know when he was executed? Let me see. I think I... I I actually might have... And let's not forget, this was his 1934 here in Susanville. So what are we, 90 years later-ish, right? Oh, right. I have it. October 5th, 1934. It's pretty... Justice was pretty quick back then, So, yeah, so here we are, June... Right, 12th, he was... Right, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, a great thing, you know. Yeah, June, July. He did it. He confessed. There's no reason to squabble over the next steps. Unless he was wrongly acquitted, but in this case, we don't have that. So right. we didn't... Uh, it wasn't like an innocent man was executed, Whether, however you feel about, you know, the death penalty. <laughs> right, but you said he had admitted to committing these heinous crimes. Oh, he, he did, yes. I don't think anybody disputed that actually in the end. But what is interesting is there was a time where I read where there were 350 Susanville residents who signed a petition to commute Peter's sentence, Peter Losey's sentence to life in prison. Okay. So he had 350 people that supported him and thought, wow, you know, you had this crime of passion that you just absolutely lost your mind about, apparently. And, you know, we're going to support you in, in the commutation of your descents. Well, you know, and who knows what the population was back then. If you're looking at a population of a thousand, you're talking almost forty uh, percent yeah. of the population saying, "Well, right, he did wrong, but maybe he doesn't have to die." Right, exactly. And and for that matter, we have. I was looking to see where the Fazios were buried. But I can't find where they're... I don't think they were buried here. But Lena Amistani is buried here. Actually, off of Sheriff Katie Lane in that cemetery by the new jail. Okay. And so, you know, I've I've found her grave in the past. And I thought, oh, I should leave some flowers. Right. So if anybody wants to do that, just in remembrance of her. In honor. In honor. Absolutely. Because... I think, you know, you never really truly die until you're forgotten. Right. Well, okay. Wow. So just, again, murder in a small town. But, I mean, what an impact he 
you know, all these people, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that so many people were like, well, he did bad, but I think, you know, you, you, it's more than, I mean, likely most of those people who signed that petition knew him or his family, right. Or maybe felt very bad for his wife or might've felt bad for his children. Eight children. Yes. I think he might've had nine. I'm sorry. I misquoted that. I think it, I wrote down, I thought in my head eight, but I think it was really nine. Okay. So I believe you're correct when you say nine. Cause so yeah. I think there were nine children in that family. Um, with that though, just going back to population, you said a thousand. So I did a quick search on that in 1930. There were thirteen hundred and fifty-eight people in Susanville. So ab- about yeah, about right. a thousand. So we're talking three hundred fifty is still a good portion of that. A good portion, fifth? Would you say? Yeah, that's about a fifth. Right okay, because you, yeah. So, so I mean, still, yeah. and <laughs> that's you know, still the, a lot. Though, that's yeah. that is a thing. I mean, in a small town, you n- get to know the business owners. You, they know what you like, you know, they know who your family is, especially if you own a store, a store that people had to frequent because yours is the only one in town. Or or close to your neighborhood and you don't have a car because it was a neighborhood store. So right. a lot of people in that neighborhood probably got their groceries there. What did Peter do in terms of career? He or? was, he, his profession was described as a box maker. Okay. So it was the fruit, I think, believe it was the Susanville Fruit Growers Mill, right? So they milled the lumber and mm-hmm. made boxes. Okay. So he worked at the mill. Yeah. He was a mill worker. Of some sort. Yes. Okay. So, okay. All right. Just a lot of history, maybe a little unknown history in a small town Susanville, which, I mean, every, I think every small town has some sort of history. And as we can hear, the library activity is picking up. <laughs> a lot of pounding and running around here. Yeah, there's kids oh, running oh, around outside. Even in the bushes, folks. <laughs> so, okay, all right, so we'll wrap this up. And pounding on the wall, if you didn't hear that. <laughs> I think we have kids playing, like, tag. Yes. Yeah, something's going on right there. Yeah, but it's all good. They have a good time, so right. <laughs> they're smiling. Kids at the library on Saturday are not, it, that's not a bad thing. For Correct. Academy. Absolutely. <laughs> Except for when they pound on the walls but, or the windows. It wasn't even a hard pound. <laughs> All right. So on to business, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. And if you are curious and or interested, would like to join the Facebook page, just send us a request. Final thoughts? Uh, what exactly is your name on Facebook, Facebook, Facebook? Oh, so where the, where the dark corners are. Where the dark corners Where the are. the dark corners are. Yes. Facebook. Okay. Yes. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that brings us to if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover in the future, or, I mean, maybe not necessarily these ladies, but the podcast in general, send us an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Leanna, thank you for coming. Thank Any you. other? No. It's. Rebecca did a lot of the work, and just thank you for involving us in this. It's 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 new for me. It's interesting, so I really appreciate it. Right, Rebecca, take time to visit the museum in town at Roop's Fort. They have a lot of of Susanville memorabilia and history there. Come visit your local library and. 
Tim Purdy is our local historian, and he also has, I think, a web page, website, web presence, and books that are available for purchase, I think, at Margie's Book Nook, and probably I, through him. So Right, and Margie's is uptown. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're driving through the older buildings, not the Walmart, it's <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, so until next time. Please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is where we hope to see you where the dark corners are.